Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. La sentirai in Albania, che assomiglia a casa mia, riparte dal Belgio, arriva in Croazia, Slovacchia, Polonia e Romania. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli Worldwide Series. This is a series all about our fans. I'm convinced that we have the best fans in the world, so I wanted to give fans all over the world a platform where they can tell their stories and together we can continue to grow this amazing community. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. We're coming back to my home country of Canada for today's episode. Today's guest is an ex-professional footballer. He's also in charge of public relations for the Napoli Club Toronto. Gianluca Sajeza, welcome to Forza Napoli. Thank you, Joe. Honored to be here. Oh, it's my pleasure. All right, so we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about your time playing in Italy. We're going to talk about a Torontonian who you know that ended up playing for Napoli. And we're going to do a quick review of the Salernitana match. But we always start these episodes with our guest story. So let me ask you, Gianluca, how did you become a Napoli fan? So I became a Napoli fan um, also thanks to my father. It's one of those things, you know, from father to son. Uh, something that was passed down to me. And we all look up to our fathers and he used to uh, put on the games and on Sundays and I'd sit beside him and watch the games. Now, you know, uh, back then it was a little bit difficult to watch Napoli. You know, they would usually choose what they thought would be the most popular game here. So uh, I started off watching a lot of the uh, Milan games back in the 90s. Milan had a very strong team late 80s, 90s, but so did Napoli. And um, my family's from the Campania region. And, you know, that's another, I think, strong factor that allowed me to become a Napoli fan. But the cherry on the cake was uh, Diego Armando Maradona. Watching him do keep-ups, you know, in that famous warm-up that we've all seen time and time again just made me fall in love, not only with Napoli, but made me fall in love even more with the game. The way he was keeping the ball up, the passion, the it just looked so natural. And uh, it was that warm-up that my dad put on to make me watch that really, you know, made me know for sure this is my team, you know, and I love this game and this is my team. So it happened. I was really young. I was, uh, I must have been, you know, eight or nine when, when I saw that warm-up. And uh, there was no turning back from that. Yeah, so obviously uh, I can guess who probably your favorite player was growing up. <laughs> um, you obviously, yeah, you played. I'm assuming your whole life as well. Did you? St- how young were you when you started playing? I was as young as six when I started playing. Um, and now, you know, when when you're that young, you you often see those videos of the uh, young kids all going after the ball. Luckily, I was blessed with great coaches from the start. I also spent some time playing in the Spanish leagues across Toronto and the GTA. 
I've had fantastic coaches. I'm very grateful for them. A lot of them who went on and, you know, started coaching even at the professional level. One of them in particular, you know, was involved with Team Canada. So we had the right guidance. Perhaps we didn't have that much exposure like there is now, but we definitely had the right guidance. We had great role models and a lot of ex-football players as well, both from Italy and from countries like Uruguay and Argentina. So growing up, I, I was exposed to fantastic coaches and players. As a matter of fact, um, a lot of the players I played with went on and played professionally. I also went on and you know had a bit of experience playing in Italy. So I'm very grateful for my upbringing with, uh, within the soccer world. Yeah, so there's a reason why I wanted you to come on at this specific time, and that's because we just played against Salernitana on the weekend, and that's the club that you played for. So before we even get to your time playing there, what was the process like to go from playing in Toronto six, seven years old to playing for Salernitana and Serie B? It seemed like it um, happened overnight, but it took a lot of uh, hard work, sacrifice, success, uh, failure. It was very challenging, but you know they say the journey is is what counts. And my journey helped me grow. Apart from becoming a decent player, it helped me grow as a as a man. That's the beauty of the game. It teaches you discipline. It teaches you collaboration, teamwork. It teaches you respect. It teaches you how to make sacrifices, not only for yourself to be better, but also for others around you to fight for your team. These experiences really, I think, define me, created an identity and a sense of purpose in my life. And, and to this day, I, I cherish the beautiful game and the friends that I was able to meet along the way that I still keep in touch with today. I think these are the little things that at the end remain uh, within you. And so playing soccer here at a young age, I did well. I played on, uh, again, I played on several teams. I used to even play a year or two up to try and improve my game and increase my speed, my decision-making skills, my intensity. And I played on clubs like North York Azzurri, Centro Scuola Azzurri with Alberto Di Giovanni. I played for Club Uruguay Toronto, fantastic group, fantastic players, very technical. Learned a lot from uh, my former coach, Rafael Carvajal, coach of uh, Club Uruguay Toronto. Then I also played in Scarborough, and we had some great players coming out of Scarborough. Guys like Jamie Peters, who went on to play professionally. Andrew Ornock, who went on to play professionally. Jonathan de Guzman, you know, who's a, a name that I think a lot of people know. Him and his brother, his older brother, Julian. There's just too many to list. And I was able to, again, play with these quality players. And, and they helped me improve my game. And so playing, you know, with North Scarborough Soccer Club, we were called the Rockets. I remember all kinds of people used to come and watch us play the style of play at that age. At the time, we must have been under from U11 to U12, all the way up to, I think, U13. People used to come and watch us play, even though their kids weren't in the game. They weren't on our team. They weren't on the opposing team. They'd come watch us because we just, you know, put the ball on the ground, two touches, three touches max. And for a young age group, young age category like that, it was a, it was a pleasure to watch great coach uh, as well, Mike Ristich. My father also was one of our coaches. I learned a lot from him. He also played at high levels back in Italy. And then it was with uh, North York Azzurri. Uh, it was my U15 year. I remember my father organized a tournament with Carmen Isacco. Carmen Isacco is uh, now 
the head coach of York University. He's been involved with Vaughn Soccer Club for many years. Um, he's one of the best coaches I've ever had. I think he's one of the best coaches in Canada. And the numbers speak loud and clear. He's won all kinds of uh, important trophies. He's accomplished many achievements, winning national tournaments with York, winning Ontario Cups with Vaughn, previously with uh, Azzurri, Toronto, North York Azzurri, Hearts Azzurri. And so I learned a lot from him and, and from my father. So it was my U15 year, and we went on a tournament in Italy, and um, we ended up winning the tournament. We were the underdogs, obviously, right? Uh, who's this Canadian team coming here to play? Where are they going? They have no chance, right? You, you know, you hear you hear people talk. Little did they know that this team that we had, we were very multicultural. We were all sons of immigrants who loved the game just as much as the Italian teams did. You know, we had players from all over the world. We had a really good player from, at the time, Yugoslavia. We had a lot of Italian Canadians. We had a lot of, you know, Argentinian Canadians, Uruguayan Canadians. We were so multicultural. We, you know, people from Caribbean countries, people from African countries. A good friend of mine, Dominic, who came from Ghana, went on to play professionally as well. Fantastic player. So we were a good team and we ended up winning the tournament uh, two to one in the final score against Casertana. Casertana, they were a really good team and uh, they gave us a run for our money. We ended up winning two to one in extra time. And I was the number 10 on that team. And I remember my father, who was the coach, he was approached by an individual who had I had noticed at some of our games because he was always well dressed and you know he was just there and there were always people around him shaking his hand. I said this guy must be someone important, right? But anyways, I saw him talking to my father and we went back to the hotel. We're celebrating. Everybody's happy, and then my father calls me and uh, you know, Jalu, come here, right? With his thick Italian accent, I gotta talk to you. <laughs> okay, pa, what's wrong? You look kind of um, I don't know. Uh, you should be happy. Everybody's celebrating. You look serious. What's going on? And then he told me, he said, uh, this guy is a scout, Giorgio Bartoli. And uh, he's asking me about our number 10. I didn't tell him that I'm your father. <laughs> he wants you to stay here. I, how am I going to tell your mother? Oh, my God. Like, you know, I was a big, because we already knew my mother. I was, would kind of be opposed to it because I was in school. Uh, this tournament happened in April. And so I think he was more afraid to tell my mother. That's why he had the serious look on his face. But he said to me, he said, what do you want to do? And I said, really, Pa, you're asking me this? This is my dream. This is what I want to do. I'll stay here. You know, that's fine. I'll speak to mom. I, this is what I want. I'll stay here. So at the time, he wanted to take me to Parma. The crazy thing is, I don't know if you ever heard of a book. It's called The Secret. It's about the law of attraction. Yeah. So I didn't know about this at that age. But the crazy thing is, as a kid, I always liked Napoli, but I really liked Parma. And I'll tell you why. There was a player who used to play on Napoli. And everybody said that he would be the next, not the next Maradona, but he would take over for Maradona when he left. His name was Gianfranco Zola. Of course. Okay? <laughs> yeah. So I loved Zola already when he was at Napoli because he's a young kid. I'm like, wow, this guy's amazing. He, you know, he's playing with Maradona. Then he went to Parma. So automatically I started following Parma as well. And I would always visualize myself playing for Parma, not because Parma was my favorite team, but because for me playing for Napoli was just something that would never happen. It was just out of reach. You know, that's the way my mind was thinking. I said, okay, well, I'll settle for Parma. I mean, still a city, Atin Zola's on Parma, no problem. So in my backyard, in my mind, I would visualize playing for Parma. 
So when my father told me that this scout wanted me to try out for Parma, you know, I know I was too young at that age to have a heart attack, but I feel like I almost did. So, uh, you know, if, the, if that's not the law of attraction, I don't know what is. Anyway, to make a, a long story short, I ended up going home with the team because I had to get some some clothes for the winter and all that, right? And uh, take care of the school situation. Back then, we didn't have remote learning, so I had to go down to the Ministry of Education and pick up all of my books. I'd basically continue high school through correspondence, right? And yeah, so I decided to to go back and to try out and all of that. And you know, my mom was kind of hesitant. My father helped me talk her into letting me go and. I really thanked them for letting me go and for giving me the opportunity because, again, you know, I wasn't even 15. I was still 14. I just I was turning 15. So it's not easy for a parent to send a 15-year-old away like that. So thanks to them also, I was able to have that experience. So I went to Parma, and um, my very first tryout, they put me in a room with uh, a Slovakian and a Frenchman. They were also trying out, so made friends with them. Obviously, I was nervous. They were older. I ended up trying out for the Allievi Nazionale, which is basically like they're 15, right? 15, 16. And I remember trying out at Parma, and as I'm waiting for instruction, we were doing a drill. The coach was Roberto Musi. He also played for Parma, and he also played on the Italian national team. So that alone for me was a big thing. But this is the crazy thing. As I'm waiting for instructions to do a drill – I see a bunch of players jogging. They were basically doing laps around the field because the way the Parma field worked, there were three big fields, and um, one of them was for the Allievi, one of them was for the Primavera, and the other one was for the first team. So I'm like, oh, I wonder who these guys are. They're jogging, they're jogging, they're jogging. It was Tafarel, Cannavaro, and Turam, Okay. A few people might have heard of them before. Uh, yeah, you would, you would, you know, anyone who knows soccer knows Tafarel, right? Goalie of Brazil who won the World Cup in '94. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately for us, obviously Lilian Turam, superstar defender, and, and Fabio uh, Cannavaro. Fabio Cannavaro played. Parma was stacked. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. I was like, my face just, my jaw dropped, and I'm looking at them, and I'm looking at them, and they're getting closer, and then I remember the coach saying, okay, dai, forza, forza. And like I snapped back into it. And I actually ended up having a really, really good trial. But I didn't make the team. I didn't make the team. The agent told me this was a huge blow because I really wanted to play for Padma. He told me that their team was already set. I did well. Don't be discouraged. You know, obviously he wanted me to be motivated. So then I I went to uh, Bologna. I went to Bologna. And uh, I tried out for the Primavera team. And I was angry. I had this fire inside of me because I really wanted to be a Parma. So I let out all my anger in that tryout, scored a couple of goals in the, goals in the scrimmages. And remember, these guys are older than me. And so the technical director, his last name was Ferrante. I still remember. He said, we're signing you. You're in 100%. So, you know, it was really nice. We're taking trains from Parma to Bologna. Thank God for my dad. He was there with me at the beginning. And um, the day after they wanted me and they had me sign, my father said, okay, this is it. Like, I have to go back to work. Are you sure? Like, is this what you want? I'm leaving. You know, when you wake up in the morning, I won't be here because he had an early flight. Do you want to come with me? We had two tickets. We had a return flight, both of us. Do you want to come with me or not? And I said, no, I'm staying. He's like, okay, when you wake up tomorrow, you won't see me. I'll be gone. Decide now. Are you sure? I said, yes, I'm sure. So I woke up. And he was gone. And then that's when it hit me. I'm like, whoa, this is this is really happening. 
you know, I was 15 and I ended up playing my first year at Bologna. Unfortunately, what happened in Bologna was out of my control. The president at the time, Gazzoni, he wanted to reform the uh, youth sector, the settore giovanile, because there were too many foreigners in the youth sector. As a matter of fact, on that team, on that Bologna team, there was me. I didn't have my Italian residence uh, yet, my citizenship. I had my passport, but I wasn't considered an Italian citizen or a resident, sorry, residenza, yeah. There was me. There were two players from France. There were a few players from from Africa. There were a few South Americans. So it was almost like half of the youth team was from outside of Emilia-Romagna, which is the region where Bologna is in. The president didn't like that. Fair enough. So he said, we're only going to keep three foreigners. The rest, send them away. So I was a newcomer, and uh, I was one of the, the foreigners sacrificed. And so they sold me to Ravenna, which at the time their first team was in Serie B. Anyway, one thing after another, Parma was a disappointment. Bologna was a disappointment because I was doing really well. I didn't think it was fair and everything that happened to me. Anyway, so my father said, okay, I have a contact down south. I'm going to take you to Salernitana. They have a really good youth program. Okay, no problem. So then my second year, I signed with Salernitana and I did well there and I stayed there. I ended up staying there. Uh, we went to the Beppe Viola tournament. We went to huge tournaments, a lot of exposure. We had a very, very strong team. The Beppe Viola tournament uh, is a tournament that has uh, that features all of the best youth clubs, and uh, you have to be invited to the tournament. Not everybody gets an invite. We ended up coming in second. In our group, we had Inter, Sampdoria, and Parma, the team I tried out for. We beat them one nothing. Huge satisfaction. On that team, there was another famous player. He's uh, Italian-American, Giuseppe Rossi. So... This is a funny story, the way the Beppe Viola tournament works. And you can check their website and you'll see that our team there in Salernitana and all that. Because they, they have like l'albodoro, right? The, how do you say that in English? Anyway, the history of all the, the winners, the runners-up. So the way the tournament works is they have a bus that they provide. And so the bus picks up one team and then they go and pick up the other team. So they picked Salernitana up first, our team, and then we went to pick up the Parma team. So while I'm on the bus, I hear this kid speaking English with you know, a New York, New Jersey accent, right? And I was sitting beside a friend of mine on my team. He's like, hey, that, where's this guy from? That's, he's speaking English. I'm like, I don't know. Let's go find out. So I went up to him and said, like, hey, where are you from? He's like, I'm from New Jersey. Where are you from? I'm from Toronto. What's your name? Gianluca, Giuseppe, pleasure. And I ended up sitting beside him on the way to the game. And so we played. We won on the way back, sat beside him again. Uh, and we still keep in touch to this day. And, you know, the rest is history. You know what happened uh, with Giuseppe Rossi, right? Went on to play pro, fantastic player, great guy. Sampdoria we beat as well, and then Inter we tied. The coach of Sampdoria was Lombardo. He's now on the Italian national team coaching staff. So I'm here exposed, and there's all these professional players. It was a great experience. We ended up winning the quarterfinals as well. We ended up beating a team from... Germany, I forgot the name of the team. But anyway, in the semifinals, we played Juventus. And uh, it was a huge game, right, for everybody. Because, you know, Juventus has, uh, Juventus is Juventus, right? I mean, huge club, great youth system. So obviously, we were the underdogs. We ended up beating them as well, one nothing. I was a little bit upset. I only played 15 minutes that game. I went on toward the end. But uh, we ended up beating Juventus. So now, people are, you know, are expecting us to win the finals. We played Chievo Verona. We ended up losing in overtime 2-1. to one. But anyway, it was a great tournament. And uh, from that tournament, a lot of the players on my team ended up getting professional contracts. 
I didn't. I stayed with Salernitana. And, you know, I said, okay, well, I'll keep trying because the whole purpose of these tournaments is for that, right, exposure. And then I, I ended up playing a, a game with the first team in the Coppa Italia. I actually played a couple, you know, with the Serie B team. And, you know, it was a great experience for me uh, playing there and having my, my cousins because my family's from there as well to support me. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, it didn't work out in the sense that I didn't really get th that big contract I was looking for. So I had a choice to make. I said, well... You know, I could keep trying here. You know, I'm almost 20. What do I do if I don't get anything? So I decided to come back home and you know, I continued playing here. I went to university. I went to York, played on the York team, successful there as well, again, under Coach Carmen Osako. And, uh, you know, I continued playing here and and, and that's it. Um, I always thought about what would have happened if, if I would have stayed. But I'm happy with the decision I made. And, uh, you know, you make decisions in life, you stick with them, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, as you said, it was the the journey that was probably more yeah. valuable at the end of it. You have all yeah. these great stories. Like you said, it's created the person you are today. That'll do for part one. In part two, we'll talk a little bit about your time after Salernitana. Welcome to part two of the Fortunopoli podcast. So let's talk a little bit about your time after Salernitana. You mentioned the player that I alluded to earlier, which was a bit of misdirection because I said he's a Torontonian, but he ended up playing nationally for, I believe, the Netherlands. Uh, that's Jonathan de Guzman. You ended up becoming, or I guess staying close friends with him, and then you went back to Italy. Tell me a little bit about that whole experience. Yeah, so this is another really crazy story. And for the record, he is he is definitely a Torontonian. He considers himself a Torontonian. Um he also, yes, played for uh, the Dutch national team, but he still has Toronto in his heart. Interestingly enough, he is the player who has played in the most top leagues. He's played in Germany. He's played in Spain. He's played in the EPL. He's played in Serie A. Um, you know, so you have four of the top leagues, one player, four different teams, a huge accomplishment. He's still playing now. He's currently uh, playing um, in the Greek league. So, yeah, we, we met when we were kids. We played on the North Scarborough Soccer Club Rockets, and we also played on Club Uruguay Toronto. And we went down to Uruguay and Argentina for a tournament, uh, an international tournament. We played teams like uh, Celta Vigo from Spain, uh, Nacional Peñarol from Uruguay, Independiente from Argentina, we got smoked, I'll be honest. We had a fantastic team, but we got smoked. Those guys down there were incredible. But we held our own, right? And like we got smoked in the sense that we didn't really win a game, but all the games were pretty close. I remember scoring a really nice goal against Independiente. We lost 4-3, but one of those shots outside of the box, the ball comes to you, and without thinking, you just hammer it. It ended up going top corner. Anyway, even down there, there were uh, reporters, very well organized. You know, that's unfortunately... People say, why hasn't Canada been qualifying, uh, you know, World Cups and, and all that? The way they treated those young kids, they already set them up for success. Very professional environment right from the start. Soccer is their life. I remember we were kids and there were reporters interviewing us. And uh, a lot of the reporters wanted to speak to Jonathan de Guzman. He stood out. He always stood out. Everywhere we were in Toronto, uh, you know, in South America, anywhere we went to play, he stood out. And... I told you, people used to come watch our games, and I think a lot of them would come also just to see him play. 
And he's also a year younger than me. And I was playing a year up, you know. And so he was playing two years up and he was still the best player. And I can say that confidently. And I know that everyone uh, who's there and who played and who saw would agree with me. He was the best player. So it wasn't a surprise to any of us when he went to Feyenoord, when he you know, went to Holland and then Feyenoord took him in. We weren't surprised. We were all very happy, but none of us were surprised. He was just that player that stood out. So he played in, in Holland. He played for the, the youth team of Feyenoord. Then he made his debut on the first team, very successful, scoring all kinds of goals, free kicks, you know, and making a difference, gets called up to the Dutch national team. You know, and he, again, he played on great teams. He played for Villarreal in La Liga, played against players like Messi, CR7. And so we kept in touch. And every time he would come back to Toronto to visit, we'd hang out, you know, go to dinner and whatnot. And I would always joke around with him. I said, because uh, we call him Jono. I say, I used to say, Jono, uh, when are you going to play for Napoli? You know, and it was just a joke. Like, when are you going to play for Napoli? And I messaged him once after uh, a Napoli game. It was a uh, Europa League game, Napoli-Villarreal. And we won that game 2-0. I still remember the goal. Gokan Inler scored from outside of the box. He had a rocket. You remember Inler, yeah, right? Yeah, Inler had that cannon for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there were, there were, sorry, I think this, it wasn't Europa League. It was Champions League. It was a Champions League game at the Stadio San Paolo at the time. Sold out crowd, 60,000 plus people. And I remember messaging Jono after the game. I said, listen, Jono, good game, but, you know, it's not easy playing in front of 60,000 screaming Napoli fans. And he replied, he said, I've never experienced a stadium like this one. These fans were incredible. It was hard to think. I couldn't even hear myself think. They sang, they chanted, they cheered their team on the entire 90 minutes. And, you know, I think that's what gave them that extra push. Because Napoli dominated that game. And Villarreal was a good team. And we were still in that growing phase at the time, right? And I said, Jono, you just got to come to Napoli, man. It's so you, like the fans, the passion. It, it just fits your persona. And he's like, yeah, I know, I know. I said, don't worry, I'll make a few calls. I'll call De La Rentis. We'll work it out. Joking around, obviously, <laughs> right? And one day, we were in Italy. This was maybe a year later. I was in Italy with uh, with my family. And uh, I got a text message from Jono. It said, hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm in Italy. He's like, I know. But did you see the newspaper this morning? And I said, no, I didn't. Why? He's like, go buy the newspaper, the sport newspaper. I said, okay, sure. So I bought the sport newspaper, and uh, in the sports section, it said, Napoli in talks with Jonathan de Guzman. I said, this is crazy. This isn't happening. So I called him right away, you know, video call, and I said, is Back this to the happening? secret again, eh? I, I don't understand. <laughs> but it works with everything except money. I try to attract money, but it doesn't work. With this other stuff, it works. Anyway, um, yeah, so... He said, yeah, it might happen. It might happen. I'm very close to signing. And, you know, if I do sign, I'm going to be there within a week. Can you come and pick me up at the airport? I'm supposed to go to the hotel. They have a hotel where they train, right, in uh, Castel Volturno. I said, of course, keep me posted. Let me know as soon as you sign. Anyway, the next morning I go by the newspaper and I still have the picture. Front page, the Gazzetta dello Sport, the pink one. Front page, the Guzman del Napoli. And I said, I can't believe it. This is incredible, right? This is really happening. I cannot believe this. So this was after the World Cup. So remember, the Netherlands that year came in third place. And Jonathan was a key component to that team. That was the Netherlands team that 
had beat the returning champions, uh, Spain, 5-0. I don't know if you remember that game. So for Napoli, it was a big signing because coming from a third-place World Cup team like the Netherlands, you know, it was a huge deal. So the Napoli fans are all obviously very enthused and excited. So I remember um, when I picked them up at the airport, I asked uh, one of my father's friends to let me use his car. He had a really nice car, you know, I wanted a Fabella Figura, right? And um, we go to the villa. I was also at that time talking to Maradona Jr., so Maradona's son. We, we were just, uh, you know, talking here and there because I had met him earlier. I didn't even mention this, but I also had a trial for Napoli. <laughs> Forgot about mentioning that, and uh, I didn't make it. But during the trial, Maradona's son was on the Napoli team. He was on the Allievi Nazionali. So uh, anyway, I just kept in touch with him. And uh, I said, uh, Diego, guarda che viene un mio amico, Jonathan de Guzman. My friend is coming. Jonathan de Guzman, he's my friend. He's like, no way, that's incredible. Okay, I'll come with you. I'll come with you so I can meet him too. I'm like, wow. So I got Maradona signed with me, and I'm picking up the Guzman, and he's signing for Napoli. So you can imagine, you know, me, a big Napoli fan, I was in heaven. But this is the thing that I'll never forget. So we get out of the car. It's me, Maradona's son, and the Guzman. There were fans there already. Most of the fans went to Maradona's son and not to the Guzman to ask for a photo. I said, I said John, don't worry. You're new, right? Yeah, yeah. It's all good, man. He's like, yeah, trust me. I know it's Maradona's son. Like, I get it, whatever, right? But then a couple also went to him, and they were asking me. They said, can we take a photo with him? I'm like, ask him, right? They thought it might have been one of his agents or something. I don't know. But anyway, um, we picked him up. We went out for dinner. We had a great night. And uh, brought him back. The next morning, he had his first training session. We got to stay. We watched the training session. Benitez was the coach. So I got to meet him. I met all the players. Yeah, it was a great experience. He did well his first year. He did really well. Second year, too. Then he got injured. He had a serious injury. And he just didn't play in a long time. And uh, uh, then they sent him on loan. And uh, eventually, he signed for Eintracht Frankfurt in Germany. He was successful there as well. Won the German Cup. With Napoli, he won the Italian Super Cup and uh, the Coppa Italia as well. So very successful there. Yeah, so you ended up pretty much staying with him, right? Well, yeah, I, I stayed. I spent uh, some time with him there um, at the beginning. Yeah, you know, just you know, help him out a bit here and there with, with everything, the Italian language and all that. But obviously the club already has all of that set up. They gave him a, an actual Italian instructor the club, in that sense, is organized, right? He was learning Italian together with players like Koulibaly, for example. At the time, uh, you know, who else would I hang out with a lot? El Kaduri at the time. You know, all of the new signings under Benitez were basically learning Italian together. So, you know, I would hang out with all of these players. In particular, Dries Mertens, who I still talk to today. He's a beautiful human being. Beautiful human being. And, and Mertens and, and Jana were very close friends, and they still are. Also because of the language, right? They both speak mm -hmm. uh, Dutch, right? Belgium, Holland. Yeah. Pepe Reina was, was leader on and off the pitch. Obviously, Hamsik was the captain, but Reina also had that leadership. And a lot of the players respected him greatly. And he was also the life of the party. Him and his reggaeton DJing skills. Uh, we used to go out and he would play, put on his reggaeton music. And they were, you know, at the end of the day, they're just guys like us, right? Doing what they love and... There was such a strong bond with that team under Benitez, I remember. You know, maybe on paper they weren't the best, but you know, they still ended up winning 
Copitali. They still ended up doing well in, in the Champions League. They were very unlucky, but they did well. They won the Super Cup against Juve. Jano had a huge role in that match. They went into penalty shootouts, 8-7. to seven. It was 2-2. Two to two. Higuain scored both goals. Jano got the assist on the tying goal. Juve was up 2-1. Jano uh, beat the Juve player, the Juve winger. A step over, beat him, crossed it with his left. Higuain heads it in, tie game. They go into overtime. They go into shootout. We had um, Rafael in net, and he made some great saves. And we ended up winning 8-7. to seven. Huge game. But anyway, yeah, I got to hang out with a lot of these players. It was uh, an incredible experience being with them. One day we're driving, and uh, uh, Jonathan had his uh, his Mini Cooper Sport. Uh, obviously, for the streets of Napoli, that car is perfect. So he said, I got to make a stop. I say, yeah, no problem. So we stop uh, at the lights, and all of these people come to the car. And, and you, know, you could tell that they weren't well off. They were, you know, the guys that come and clean the windows or try to sell you things. And a lot of them uh, weren't even from Italy. They were... They, they may have been, uh, you know, uh, migrants, uh, immigrants, uh, maybe even refugees, but they were, you know, not as fortunate as most of the people that you would see, obviously. So he pops his trunk open and he's like, here, come out, come and give me a hand. Pop open the trunk and he has bags full of jerseys, Napoli jerseys, um, Napoli hats, a uh, couple jackets. And he's just started giving these things to these less fortunate people. No cameras, no photos, nothing. Genuinely wanted to help. And that really, um, for me, I'll, I'll never forget that. And, and a lot of these players are like that, you know, and, and they're human beings. So people, it's easy for people to go on social media when they have a bad game and, and write nasty things to them. They don't understand that sometimes it can get to them and they're human beings like us. And everyone makes mistakes and has a bad day. So I think we should be a little bit more sensitive to the fact that, yes, they're professional athletes. They get paid a lot of money. They're doing what they love, but they still have emotions and they're still good people. Um, you know, guys like John and the Guzman, Mertens, Cooley, these guys, you know, Giorgino, they were always doing good for the community, helping uh, the orphanages in Napoli, going to hospitals to meet with kids with leukemia. And, you know, these are things that perhaps aren't advertised. And so the average fan doesn't even know that they happen, but they do. And they dedicate a lot of time, a lot of effort, and it's genuine. It's They don't go because the club says, hey, you have to go. They go out of their way to go because they want to. So I think that particular year, those particular years under Benitez with Reina, Caleon, Koulibaly, Jorginho, De Guzman, Mertens, Maggio, they had such a bond, Higuain eventually too. They had such a bond. It was like one big family. And I think that's what helped them be so successful and paved the way for the Napoli that we now enjoy watching, right? Because, you know, Sadi did well at Napoli, but I think it was Benitez in that group that paved the way for a coach like Sadi to come in and, 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 you know, earn 91 points that year. And, you know, everybody thought that Sadi made Napoli great, but I believe that Napoli made Sadi great. And that team that had been molded into a family, thanks to those players that I mentioned, and of course, great coach like Benitez, paved the way for the, the Napoli that we now get to enjoy today, in my opinion. Because uh, that was the first time that they actually started winning, right? Yeah, they did well with Mazzari too, but it was Benitez that actually took them to the next level, even with the signings, with the international signings. Yeah, well, success breeds success, right? And yeah. even from a financial standpoint, when you start yeah. to play in the Champions League on a regular basis, you start to bring in more and more money. And then to your point, Benitez 
had a key role in terms of scouting as well and, exactly. and bringing in the right people for his team. So they definitely, you know, that was definitely an important team in the history of this club. How long were you with Jono before uh, the staff took over? So the first month and a half I was there in Napoli, then, you know, <laughs> reality kicks in. I have a job. I have to go back <laughs> to work, right? So, but, but I would, I would visit him. I would visit often. Like I would visit Italy regardless because I have my grandparents there still. And I would go anyway, but now I would stay a little bit longer. I'd stay in Napoli. I stayed at his house, beautiful house in uh, Posilipo. Uh, Napoli is such a beautiful city. Great views, great people, great food. And I stayed at his house and it was just incredible. And every time I would go visit, I'd go to the games, I'd hang out. Once in the summer, uh, I remember before practice, I would go to the training sessions as well. Uh, before practice, there was this uh, this Lido. Lido is like, you know, on the beach where they have bar, restaurant, uh, the umbrellas, the chairs. They would go hang out at this particular Lido, which was like a 10-minute drive from the training grounds. And um, it was uh, Jano, Koulibaly, Mertens, El Kaduri, one of Koulibaly's friends, Gulam, and Jorginho, I believe. Anyway, yeah, they were all there hanging out. And so they start playing beach soccer. So I'm hanging out with Koulibaly's friend and Dries' friend from Belgium. And uh, Gulam was there too, just hanging out. So I think it was Dries and Jorginho against uh, Koulibaly and Jano. So Koulibaly's like, okay, whatever, I don't want to play anymore. So he went to sit down. So they needed another player. So, you know, they're asking Gulam. He said, no, uh, we have practice. Leave me alone. So then they asked me and I said, no, guys, no chance. I'm not going to make myself look like an idiot. Ask this guy, whoever was beside me, or ask, ask Al Kaduri. Look at him. He's not doing anything. Al uh, Kaduri, no, leave me alone. I don't want to play. Okay. So they kept insisting. Dries, die, vieni, vieni. Come and play, come and play. I'm like, no, guys, I'm going to go to the bar and get a beer, okay? So I'm walking to the bar, and then all of a sudden, somebody tackles me from behind, and it's it's Mertens. And he's like, come on, come and play. Get up. Let's go. I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> so I went and... Uh, I was really nervous, and these guys are competitive, eh? even though it's just for fun. I think that's what makes them successful, too, that, that they're so competitive. So it's their serve. I'm on Jono's team, obviously. Mertens, who does he serve the ball to, me or Jono? Who do you think he served it to? He serves it to me. Right? Of, course. So, of course. So I'm nervous, and I can keep the ball up and play beach soccer, but I was nervous, and so I, I screwed it up. So, you know, he's giggling, whatever, right? And I'm like, oh, this piece of shit, right? Well, I'll say that anyway. So he he serves it again to me. I mess up again. So then John was like, "Come on, man! Like you can do this. Who cares? Like screw him. We're gonna just play." I'm like, "Okay, you're right." So finally, I uh, I was okay. I started playing, and it was actually a pretty close game. I was so focused though that I didn't realize what was going on around me because I was so focused on trying to do well in this game uh, against these Napoli players that I didn't realize. There were so many people that had come to watch. All the people on the beach heard that, oh, there's Napoli players on the beach playing beach soccer. So I looked up, and there were over 100 people, I would say, watching us play. And then, you know, I started getting nervous again. But it was a great experience. And then they went to practice, right? And then they just went to practice, and that's it. It was like a family. Like, they spent a lot of time together, right? Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Well, next time you speak to uh, Dries, tell him uh... – we need him to extend that contract because I don't think we yeah. want to see. Uh, we already saw Insigne go. We don't want to see Martins go too. He definitely wants to extend. He loves Napoli, and I mean, as you know, so 
it's not that easy, but he really, really deep down in his heart wants to stay in Napoli. I know that for a fact. He has, uh, you know, he's Napoli done. His, his family is Napoli done. His, his friends, his parents. I remember going to watch Napoli games and there'd be like a whole Dries Mertens fan club from Belgium that would fly and watch the games at the San Paolo Stadium at the time in Napoli. And they would always have the flag, the Belgian flag. And so once we actually went out with them for pizza, great, great people. Like Mertens, he's just always in a good mood, friendly, welcoming, generous, funny, great sense of humor. I met his family. I met his significant other. And, you know, they're just great people. He's just the perfect fit for Napoli, for that kind of environment. And uh, as you know, the fans absolutely adore him. Uh, actually, um, I, I, I heard, who was it? Um, oh, Christian Maggio. Well, he said that <laughs> Dries Mertens is più napoletano di Lorenzo Insignia. And, you know, although he may have been joking, <laughs> right? A lot of people now are probably thinking there, that. Think. Yeah, you know, there, there's, some, there's some truth to that in the sense that he is extremely passionate about being napoletano, right? In every sense of the word. And I guess that's why he has this nickname, Chido, which is one of the most common names in Napoli. Yeah, exactly. I've heard that he even went out of his way to learn how to speak napoletano, not just the... Mm-hmm. Uh, not just live there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he yeah. seems like a very genuine person. Like all of these things you're talking about, you've, you've interacted with him in person. I've just sort of seen him, how he is, you know, on, on the bench and training, things like yeah. that. It seems like it's the same guy. Well, you know, just to give you another example. Um, so I, I used to organize tours to Italy, both for leisure, for educational purposes and for soccer. And I would bring soccer teams over to Italy I brought many teams over, and uh, part of our tour was to go to uh, watch a Napoli training session. It was also thanks to guys like Mertens, Giorginio at the time, who uh, was also, you know, also had the pleasure of meeting a beautiful human being, him as well. What a great guy. And so thanks to them, they would allow us to bring the soccer team into the training grounds. And, you know, the players would come out and they would sign their autographs. Now imagine a bunch of, like, you know, U16, U17 Canadian kids uh, meeting at you know eventually they signed big names too like Higuain right meeting these players watching them play was a huge huge deal Insigne right we have photos with Insigne with all of these players with our Canadian teams holding the Canadian flag and and Mertens would always 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 stay extra and just you know talk to the kids after it's obviously thanks to the Guzman that all of these experiences happened for me right because he's the one who brought me in but Mertens was always uh generous with the kids in the sense that he would make an effort to spend time with them and to take pictures and to just talk to them like one-on-one, right? That I think uh, is a memory that these kids will keep with them for the rest of their lives. As a matter of fact, when I run into some of them, because now I play men's league and I'm playing against the, the, the kids I coached and they say, you know, they still call me, sir, hey, sir, uh, <laughs> as I teach high school, right? Sir, the, those were the best, the best days of our lives. The most memorable high school experiences or, trips or soccer related trips we took were the ones you know where we went and we played the napoli youth team and the salernitana youth team and you took us to the stadio olimpico to watch roma inter you took us to the san paolo to watch napoli whoever napoli was playing would be there during that time and that's what they remember right and i think i uh molded many young napoli fans because a lot of them became napoli fans right uh, because of those experiences and i'm proud of that i'm happy about that it's good yeah, well, you were doing God's work. So. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. 
All right, so that'll do for part two. In part three, we'll talk briefly about the Slurnitana match. Welcome to part three of the Fortsanopoli podcast. So let's talk very quickly about the game against Salernitana. I'm glad that it was a blowout, so there's not a whole lot to really review. But again, quickly, just with your history of playing with the club, I imagine you still follow the club, but when Napoli plays against Salernitana, who do you cheer for? (laughs) (laughs) I love this question. So a lot of people ask me this question. It's incredible because in Italy, if you tell people in the Campania region that you support both Napoli and Salernitana, they think you're crazy because, you know, it's a derby and they're supposed to be rivals, even though I wouldn't consider them rivals because Napoli's in another category. Let's be honest. You know, it's not like Roma Lazio, right? Or Inter Milan. Yeah, yeah. It was the same thing like with Benevento last season. It's not really. Yeah. Or if my Avellino ever gets back, (laughs) you know, I'll still cheer for both because I know it's kind of not, not at the same level. Exactly, exactly. But at the end of the day, Napoli is my team. So I cheer for Napoli 100%. When Salernitana is not playing Napoli, I cheer for Salernitana. But, you know, I, I try to tell the Italians, because I'm always in Italy, and I say, guys, like, it's Campania. Let's let's be united. Already, we have everybody against us. I mean, you know, look at, you know, without getting into the politics, but, right, let's just be united and, uh, and work together uh, rather than be divided and hurt ourselves we have enough people trying to hurt us right so and then they say oh you know what yeah you got a point they listen for 10 minutes and then they go back to hating on the other team so <laughs> the garbage bags yeah. <laughs> but anyway yeah they're uh you know, now Salernitana with their new owner uh, was a very successful businessman from Napoli you know yep. so I say I say to the, my friends who are Salernitana supporters I'm like you know uh, thanks to a uh, guy from Napoli you guys are are safe start to eat flesh me start right okay yeah, we saw Yervolino sitting with De Laurentiis at the yeah. at the stadium, which was nice. That's yeah. nice to see. That's what I like to see. Yeah, well, there were enough empty seats, obviously, with the uh, the restrictions that they think De Laurentiis was able to call them over. So let's yeah. talk about this game quickly. I mean, Salernitana were devastated with COVID and injuries, so they didn't have many players, I think. Everyone was kind of expecting it to be a dominant performance. Were you really expecting anything else? No, I wasn't. There were talks of uh, not even playing the game because of all of the absences that Salernitana had. I'm glad they still played. It's sad when a game has to stop because of this. I think that we should continue to uh, move on, uh, obviously be safe, but live our lives, right? Um, And so I'm happy the game was still played. It was really depressing to see so few people in in a stadium that can fit, you know, 60,000 plus. Without getting into the, again, the politics doesn't really make any sense when you go to the Italian malls indoor and they're completely full. Anyway, that's another topic. I wasn't expecting a different result. I expected Napoli to win. I know some people are talking about the two penalty shots given, and it makes me think, did we need those two penalty shots? Absolutely not. Were they 50-50 calls? I guess. I guess you could say that. What it made me think about was, you know, when there are clear penalty shots in closer games, like the game against, uh, I believe it was Verona, or the game against uh, Roma, or even Inter, uh, we don't get them. When we don't need them, and when they're 50-50 calls, they give them to us. And I'm pretty sure it's because of the stats. Because then at the end of the season, when the Napoli fans complain about, you know, something that happened, because there's always something that happens, 
they're going to say, oh, but look, Napoli had uh, 15 penalties this season. Sure. Half of them you gave us when we were already up 3 4 nothing, and we didn't need them, right? So it's a game that I think that they're playing because there's no really no other explanation. Clear calls that should have been PKs for Napoli aren't given, and then you go and give us two against Salernitana in a game that was destined to be one way anyway. On the attendance, the capacity was 5,000 people, and I think only about 2,400 actually showed up so yeah that was that was really sad to see it was a nice sunny day in napoli too the weather looked beautiful the game on the pitch was beautiful from what we saw from napoli again obviously slernitana playing without a lot of key players they're they're playing a lot of reserves they got prima veta players on the bench but i tweeted this out lobotka completed more passes himself than the entire slernitana team combined it was just uh heavy stats in in our favor Lobotka really came a long way compared to last season. I guess, you know, with the new coach, he's really shining. He's, I think he's a fantastic player. Uh, low center of gravity, quick feet, smart. Knows what he's going to do with the ball before it even gets to him. Like you said, pass completion on point. Nice little player we have. I really think Lobotka has been, uh, been doing well. Yeah, and, and very timely as well, because obviously Anguissa is playing at the Africa Cup of Nations, so yeah. we needed someone to step up. And yeah, that, that low center of gravity, one thing that's unique about Lobotka is his the way he's able to turn and mm-hmm. almost stop on a dime and turn in the opposite direction. That's yeah. not too many players. Well, maybe that's something you could probably do, <laughs> because uh, yeah, I think you, you're you uh, probably a shorter player compared to, yeah. to most, so you have that low center of gravity as well, right? Yeah, yeah, and and you know uh, when we signed Lobotka, I remember Hamzik saying, uh, "Trust me, Napoli, you won't regret this signing." And then you know I saw him play, and yeah, I mean I saw potential right away. I know a lot of people at the beginning were really not happy with his performances, but I said, "Okay, he, he's okay." But Hamzik, like, really, I don't know. I'm not convinced. And uh, this year, I went back to what Hamzik said, and now I knew what he was talking about, right? Yeah, I mentioned this on the last episode, actually, that one of uh, Hamsik's entourage, someone in his entourage, uh, actually did a, an interview. I can't remember which radio station, Radio Marte or Kiss Kiss or whatever. And yeah. he actually said that Hamsik was was pretty crucial in getting Lobotka to Napoli. Like he was on the phone with Juntoli every day for about a month, a month and a half. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, we all doubted Hamsik, which was a mistake in the first place that we should doubt Hamsik. But, you know, the other thing is, and, and I'm curious to know your thoughts on this, but the, I think there's a huge psychological component here as well, because Lobotka has said a few times now in the media that Gattuso never played him. So it didn't matter if he lost the weight or not or, or whatever, and he thought about leaving the club. Then you you bring in a guy like Spalletti, and all we hear from Spalletti is, I have 23 strong players. He doesn't really talk about a first 11 and and reserves. It's, I have 23 strong players, and we're not going to make alibis. We're not going to make excuses. So how important is that for a player to have the confidence of the manager? Oh, it's key. Soccer is a mental game, too. And it reminded me of when I played, you know, how, how can you go from being incredible and then you play for another team or you trial for another team and you don't play well, you don't perform the same. The whole dynamic, especially the coach, is very important. So, yes, I, I agree with that. Maybe maybe Spalletti gave him more confidence. Maybe, you know, he gave him more of an important role. Not to take anything away from Gattuso. You know, Gattuso also, uh, remember, he had a lot of players missing for a long period of time. He barely got to use Osimen. 
right? He played uh, more than half the season with Petania. And Petania is a good player, but, you know, Osimhen is a player that really w- makes a difference. So, you know, Gattuso had a lot of injuries. And, and we saw Spalletti's Napoli with injuries, and it wasn't that great. So I still think Gattuso is a good coach. I, I think Spalletti is doing a really good job, Napoli, for me. And I know maybe people think I'm biased, but when Napoli has a full squad, they're the team to beat. You know, they're even better than Inter when they have a full squad. The way that Napoli plays when they're on, I haven't seen any team in Serie A play like, right? So, and Spalletti obviously has merit there, and and, and so does the way he's using his players, including Lobotka. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we saw the the intricate passing, the triangles, the movement off the ball. It was, it's really fun to watch. We talked about Mertens earlier. We just mentioned Hamsik. A little fun fact for you and the listeners. The goal he scored in the uh, in the first half from the spot, that was the 27th different Serie A club that he scored for. And there's only one Napoli player who scored against more Serie A clubs. Obviously, this includes teams that have been relegated later because there's only 20 teams in the league. But it's uh, Matic Hamsik who scored against 28 different clubs and... Uh, Mertens could actually break that record this season because he hasn't scored against Venezia or Spezia. And mm-hmm. we still have to play the Ritorno against both of those clubs. So that's something to keep an eye out for. Another big talking point from this match, another sort of important stat was with Insigne's goal, his 115th in all competitions for Napoli. He tied Diego Maradona in terms of uh, most goals for the club. He had a, a bit of a message for the, I guess, for the cameras after as well. I've seen different people trying to read the lips and understand what he said. Some are reporting that he said, Ti amaro per sempre, so you know, I, I will yeah. love you forever while he's pointing at the uh, the Napoli logo. Any thoughts on, on Insigne getting that goal and tying his, uh, his idol? Yeah, it's a huge accomplishment. And, you know, Insigne is a fantastic player and... Uh, I believe he said, non è colpa mia, ti amerò per sempre, right? So I don't think it was an easy decision for him to make. Obviously, it's a lot of money, and I challenge anyone in his shoes to say no to that kind of money, right? Because, you know, you get a lot of people saying things, oh, but how could he do that? Napoli's his hometown club, and they don't know the the inside story, right? They see it from an outside perspective. So I respect his decision. I really do. And he's done a lot for Napoli. Is he anywhere near Maradona? No, obviously not, right? You can't base success on scoring goals only. There's so much more to the game. This is why a lot of, I tell a lot of the younger kids that I coach, they start saying, oh, but CR7 has more goals than Messi or Messi has more goals than Maradona or so on. I said, guys, it's not only about, goals it's about everything it's about leading your team to success against all odds it's about being a leader it's about having charisma setting up goals just being the best player that you can be and you know you don't have to score goals sometimes to make a difference and Maradona was one of those players he made a difference no matter what just him being on the field I heard a an interview from Paolo Maldini back in the big matches Milan Napoli in the Maradona Baresi Maldini days right and Maldini said during the, the warm-up, before they would both go onto the field, they would just watch Maradona warm-up. And he would always complain, oh, I have pain, I'm injured, I'm this, I'm that. And they would watch him just do keep-ups and warm-up. And then on the field, he just turned into a lion. These are the words of Paolo Maldini, one of the greatest defenders in the world. You know, like things like that make you realize how important, how crucial, and how much of an impact a, a player has. Obviously, Insigne has had a huge impact, but 
to compare him to Maradona, despite him scoring the, the same amount of goals as him, is just you know far fetched in my opinion. No, absolutely, and I tweeted this out as well. It took Maradona 154 fewer appearances to get to that number, yeah, and you can't big. even compare that because I mean, when you look at the way the game was called and officiated and played back then. You know, things that are now red cards were not even called as a foul back then. And Oh, my know, God. Imagine playing against uh, Baresi, Maldini. Oh exactly. Two, two foot tackles. But, you know, th- that's the thing. I, I always tell people this. Maradona, he would get up and just keep going, you know. What, what, a, what a player. What a player. What, what a character he had. And, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. But Insigne, I think he suffers a lot in the sense that he's – there's a lot of pressure on him because he's from Napoli, right? He's from Frata Maggiore, Napoli. The fans have always been hard on him. And it kind of, you know, I feel bad, even though people probably think, how can you feel bad for him? You know, he's got all this money, but I still feel bad for him because he obviously wa- loves Napoli. You know, he bleeds blue. He wants to win. He's had, you know, a lot of success, but he's also had a lot of heartbreaking situations, like the 91 points Scudetto that was uh, stolen from us, right? And so you have to also, I think, appreciate that. And uh, he's done a lot for Napoli. So I respect his decision and I support him. He's our captain. He's a great player. He's a great person. The best of luck to him. Yeah, and like you said, we don't know what's going on behind closed doors. It's easy for us to judge from the outside looking in. By the way, for the English speakers, non è colpa mio means uh, it's not my fault, which is the same thing as Brother Roberto said to Sky Sport uh, not too long ago. Gianluca, that's all we have time for today, but I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Yeah, it's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Joe. And Forza Napoli. Oh, the pleasure is all mine, sempre. And you can find Gianluca on Twitter at Gisageze, though you're not really that active on Twitter. You're more of an Instagram guy. Uh, yeah, I'm more of an Instagram. Yeah. Gianluca.Sageze, if you want to give him a follow. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fisket 5 and you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forza Napoli Pod. I'll be back in soon with another really interesting episode of Forza Napoli Worldwide, so stay tuned for that. But until next time, I'm Joe Fischetti, Forza Napoli Sempre. Network.